Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, October 23rd. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today is Mark Pender in the U.S. Mark, we get our first estimate of third quarter GDP this week, yep. mm-hmm. and I've noticed that the there is a rather wide range of forecast estimates from in the Econa Day from the Econa Day panel. The consensus from range? annualized two six two point six percent to three point eight percent. I'm talking right. about the range now. Right. Yeah, two six to three eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's a rather large range. Well, there's a lot, well, you know, this is the first estimate, um, and the consensus is right in the middle at uh, three three. What's um, uh, What's interesting also is there is a narrow range in the consumer spending. Uh, the consensus there is three point one to three point five, with also the the median at 3.3. But for the overall uh, headline, uh, the the unknowns, I guess, are going to be how strong uh, business fixed investment is, mm-hmm. how, how weak residential investment is likely to be. Uh, exports look to be a, a significant uh, negative, but we still don't have the September data yet, so those will be um, uh, imputed. Um, and there could be changes there. Uh, and um, inventories look to be a very major positive, uh, constructive uh, plus for the quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we do get uh, a consistent uh, th- uh, 3 per- uh, 3.3 um, rate for consumer spending, um, that would be a, a real plus. That would follow 3.8 in the, mm-hmm. in the second quarter and nearly 4% in the fourth quarter. The first quarter was weak. But uh, still showed growth. Um, but this GDP report looks to be very, very positive. Uh, if we do get to three three, that would follow the second quarter's four two. And the first quarter really wasn't that bad at two point two, uh, despite the weakness in consumer uh, spending. And um, the last time we had a three was in the second quarter of two thousand and seventeen. So uh, it would be a, a a pretty good showing. Actually, it'd be a very good showing. Um, and, uh, and whether or not it moves the market significantly is a little bit of a question. Um, uh, it's, it's not they going seem to, distracted at the moment. <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, at the moment, the market is sinking uh, uh, quite a bit, and that's going to be on China, which will be which I'll be asking you about in a, in a minute or two. But um, really, if we look at the next week's data, one of the key things here is going to be um, the, what's in play now is uh, since we talked last, the Fed has introduced the word restrictive into its um, dialogue. And this is out of the blue. I was going back through the FOMC um, uh, minutes for uh, several years and I couldn't find until I, I got exhausted. Until I couldn't find any discussion of uh, shooting over. The neutral rate, which is what they're now talking about, at least uh, uh, some of the uh, members, mm. and they seem to, and the wording seemed to outnumber the the members who are dovish. So, um, and this of course follows the Trump administration's uh, critic- criticism, and this is a, a form of uh, you know of standing up for the independence of the bank. And there's also the possibility that not only will they 
go above neutral, neutral is roughly about 100 basis points from where we are now in the funds rate, which is a, a two and an eighth. If that goes up to somewhere around three uh, to three and a quarter, that was generally what the neutral rate was considered. But now we're talking about a couple of uh, uh, rates even above that. And uh, Stanley Fisher, the former vice uh, chairman, was even talking about raising rates faster. And so what would get the Fed to do that really probably isn't going to be the GDP. But what, what would do it is signs of wage inflation. And um, we're going to get in the next week, at the end of the month, we're going to get the employment cost index, which is a quarterly number. And this is a very, very close, closely watched number by the Fed. And that's running at about a 10-year high, the high for the expansion. And Mark, it'll be interesting to compare the beige book tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, with mm-hmm. the observations about the economy kind of day that were in the… Um, the minutes? About the economy that were in the uh, minutes last week. Yeah, well, the yeah the beige book the the minutes kind of repeated uh, questions about trade that were have, that have been in the uh, beige book for months. The beige book has been very subdued uh, relative to the FOMC statements. The beige book is compiled by the Federal Reserve banks and is used as a um, preview or as an economic assessment for the coming FOMC. And the FOMC is about all categories of the economy outside of housing are now in the strong camp. And the beige book has consistently been into the modest to moderate camp. So there's been a, a disconnect there. But as far as wages go, they've uh, the, over the last uh, all year have been reporting um, quality labor, high uh, wages for uh, quality climbing labor. And then next week we'll have the employment report and we'll have average hourly earnings. So I think that's really I think that's really where the markets uh, are going to turn on any signs. Of uh, of wage inflation, but now okay, now it's my turn to uh, to talk about China. Now I saw that uh, last week. Uh, of course, this is in the news today because we're having a uh, the Chinese market is sinking sharply. It has uh, sunk sharply last night. It's carrying the U.S. market down. Um, I saw it would look to be a significant uh, uh, well comparatively a downturn or down tick in GDP and, and did I, was it also industrial production um, uh, is, is China slowing yeah uh, the markets reacted very strongly and very negatively to the GDP data and of course the other data more or less confirmed that GDP slipped a tenth of a point on a year on year to 6.5% rather than the 6.6% in the second quarter. Well, that, well, that doesn't sound like much, of course, but there, right. <laughs> <laughs> but for Chinese GDP, which is always dead on, uh, this is a, that's why I say, right. is it a significant, is, is this a meaningful? Well, uh, I, I think part of it is over dramatization. And then other part is, uh, given the heightened attention to the trade situation between the U.S. and China, they are looking for any kind of signal that there may be an impact from that. Um, so, and and there are problems in the Chinese economy as well. So. It's a, it's a combination of things. Moving on, though, 
to uh-huh. there are two central bank meetings this week. One on Wednesday is the Bank of Canada, and they are expected to increase their bank rate by 25 basis points to 1.75%, but the ECB will do nothing, leaving rates at zero. The markets, though, will be looking to Draghi, Mario Draghi, President's uh, press conference when he has asked questions about the situation with the Italian budget. And while a little while ago, a couple of hours ago, literally, uh, Brussels rejected Italy's proposed budget and has formally requested changes to its spending plans for 2019. Um, This is rather an unprecedented step that is bound to deepen tensions between the European Commission and Rome's government. The Commission has formally requested changes to the spending plans for 2019, which were smashed through previously agreed deficit targets. They claim, the EU claims that the explanations sent by Italy earlier this week were not convincing and did not change earlier conclusions of a particularly serious non-compliance. The move marks the first time that Brussels has requested changes to a country's spending plans. means that Rome has three weeks to either make changes or ignore the Commission's warnings. If Italy refuses to budge, Brussels' next step would be an extensive deficit procedure that could end with financial sanctions in 2019. So obviously anything that Draghi says about this situation will be given high attention. Well, it, it looks like the euro has been sinking. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, related to this, you think? Yes. And well, it's basically, it, it's been sinking on and off. Um, growth in the Eurozone has been disappointing, particularly Germany. And there are other factors, obviously, but the Euro is down uh, on weakening growth. And of course, any situation that might shake the Eurozone's um, togetherness, for lack of another word, um, is bound to upset the euro. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.